This episode of After the Whistle contains profanity. Listener discretion advised. Please enjoy. Oh, there it is. Recording in progress. See what I do? This, this is what I deal with every day, Carlo. This is Carlo. Carlo. Here, I, I've, been, Carlo. I've been doing this for five Carlo. friggin' months, and this guy wants to tell me on, on fucking, <laughs> like, month number five, turn your mic around and speak in it backwards. <laughs> Try it, it's because, sound- my God, you're coming in, like, super, super hot here. Yeah. We're, we're gonna have some hot takes today. There's no, there's no <laughs> doubt about it. Yeah, tell your mom to stop calling me, would you, Riv? Listen, my my mom put some passion into a nice little uh, text message that I sent to Petey the other day. I'm not kidding. You it took me 15 minutes to read it, Carlo. Why? Because she, it was the longest wrote- text message in the history of I, text messages. I read it, but it's just one long love letter to me. Yeah, it's all, it's all it is. Yeah, Basically, awesome. it's her way of reaching out. Nice, unreal. Nice. Anyway, avid, avid listener. Yeah, she listens, and um, clearly, she only wants to correct me, Carlo. <laughs> she, like, not, not correct. Not she, doesn't, she doesn't want to correct her own her own son, but she'll correct me. Jeez. So I think it's probably. I think she did that probably because I shit on Riv so much. What's up, Carlo? Not much, boys. Uh, just uh, winding. Uh, actually, starting my day. Just finished my show. Yeah, but fresh off. Uh, I, don't, first I don't know up. where you guys. Yeah, I don't know where you guys are, but I'm in my office in my basement, and all morning, all I kept hearing was hail hit the window in my basement. It's like, what the f- is going yeah. on here, man? We're March thirtieth. <laughs> yeah, and you're a big golfer too, right? So it's oh, like it's like. Yes. Uh, I wait to get out. Is it? Yeah, is I, it I, are you guys I, getting that weather where you are? Not yet. If it's coming this way, we haven't got it yet. But I, I, uh, I do know that there's hail in uh, Oakville today, Carlo. Damn it! So brutal, man. So yeah, how's everything going with you? How was the show today? Show is great. Um, obviously, you did know, you bring out your uh, your happy, leaf pom poms today? And <laughs> I did actually. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very, very impressive win by them last night. I haven't really said that much this year, but definitely one of their most impressive wins of the season, for sure. Uh, the they did it. A couple of good wins for them in the last little bit. They beat Florida, and then they beat Boston. That was a big game last night uh, between Boston and Toronto, but we'll talk about the uh, Taylor Hall swipe at, uh, how do you say his name, Labushkin? Yeah, Labushkin. Yeah, Labushkin. So, like, when Petey sent me that this morning, I ended up watching the video of Lily Lilia Labushkin murdering Taylor Hall from behind. Taylor Hall gets up, gives him a little tap on the side of the head, and all of a sudden, Labushkin is out of the game. Yeah. And Petey asked me, he's like, "Uh, suspension there? Said, God damn right, there's a suspension there. It should be Labushkin for being so soft. <laughs> one game for that kid. One, one game. game. One game Hold for on, le- leaving after a wet willy. I, I share the same thing. Like, obviously, I, I watch that play over and over again. And I'm like, what really happened here? Like, I, I didn't see any malicious, you know, 
intent there. It's just like, it's the normal thing. Guy gets up when he's not happy being hit. He takes a swipe at a guy's head. I mean, it's a this kid day. goes off the ice. He got Will Smith smacked right. the shit out of Chris rock <laughs> 10 harder. times harder. Yeah. It's it, it, come on, man. Suck it up. You know, what's the worst ribs is I shared my take on my show this morning. I'm like, guys, like, why is everybody yelling and screaming for a suspension? What are you suspending the guy for? People are like, oh, it's retaliatory. It's a punch to the head of a blind side. I'm like, come on, man. Really? Like, are we talking about a Bertuzzi? Injury? Yeah, there's no uh, Bertuzzi. We're comparing that to a, Bert- a Bertuzzi. I know, and I'm like, what are you guys watching? This is Taylor Hall. <laughs> like, who? Taylor Hall that just got hit from behind head Taylor first Hall's- into the boards. Paul doesn't have the reputation of being a tough guy, like that you're scared of. Is like, look, I, I looked at it as like a a swipe, not even a punch. It was a swipe, and he ended up hitting him with his thumb. And look, I hope Labushin's okay. Everything that I know coming out of Leafland is that he's going to be okay. I'm surprised he left the game. I don't really know what he left the game with. Was it a sore chin? Was it a head injury? Was it a leg injury from being canned open at the same time? Like I don't know, but. For people sitting here this morning yelling and screaming for a suspension, like, where have we come in hockey? Like, I just don't understand. Like, have we forgot that hockey's a tough game? Or do we just want everything that just looks bad to be something suspendable? I think that's where we're at. I think every every single thing that looks somewhat violent or dirty. They just, they want to try to, you know, people want to speak up and try to have that stuff banished from the game. And and so like people are like, well, if Austin Matthews got suspended for two games, he's easily getting at two games for punching a guy in the head. Well, there's no comparison there. Like Austin Matthews, like that was a vicious cross check. That was an attempt to injure. There was intent to injure Darlene. Thank right. God it, it, um, I think it grazed maybe a shoulder pad or whatever it, but it did, it didn't do any damage. I was surprised, I was surprised he stood up from that because, yeah, you know, when, when you're talking about a cross check, okay. Like people were sending me videos of like Edmondson cross checking Simmons in the playoffs in their playoff series. Well, Edmondson comes in like this. Okay. No extension of the arms. It's just, he's coming in. That's where his stick is at. And, it grazed the shoulder pad up into Simmons. Like Matthews, like good on Matthews. Like I, there's, I have no problem with Matthews stepping, standing up for himself as a guy who's been taking a beating all year. Did he cross the line? Yes, because it's a retaliatory play, but he extends his arms up into the guy's head. Yeah. Like, come on, man. There's no difference there. Like at the end of the day, people sometimes call me a homer because I cover the Maple Leafs. I'm, I'm not a homer. I, I, I I'm not a super fan of the Maple Leafs. I'm a Maple Leafs supporter because I play for them and I cover them. But I'm also a hockey realist and I can, I can call what it is that I see. Uh, to me, that, that play yesterday was a hockey play that we see almost every time there's a scrum. A guy gets punched in the face. Yeah. 
Well, you, let me let me stop you there, Carlo. You're you're definitely a hockey homer. You're you're trying to make believe. You're bleeding uh, <laughs> blue and blue and white right have, now. Did you have the the bed sheets the in the jammies no. like Johnny T? Yes, you no. did. Yes, no, you did. You yeah, because you're sleeping in the same bed as uh, Tavares when he was a kid. I had a picture of Steve Eiserman in my bedroom. Okay. Look, I was a Leaf fan growing up. I mean, every, every kid in Toronto was, but yeah. I wasn't like a diehard Leaf fan. Look, do, does, do I care about them more because, you know, I played for them. I have an alumni jacket. I'm part of the alumni. Yes, of course. I support the team because, you know, there's, there's, there's a connection there, but I don't lose sleep on whether they win or lose. Look, them winning is obviously better for me because it's better for my job. It's better for this city, but yeah. You know, I don't, I, I don't sit here and like obsess over it. I love hockey. That's what but I let obsess me, over. But like, let me I ask you hockey. this. You brought up something like, you know, a minute ago that, you know, Austin Matthews takes a beating throughout the season. Do you actually think that he takes a beating? I think he, yes, I think he does compared to some of the other treatment that other guys get. Like, I mean, think about the guy like barely draws any penalties. I think he's like third last, second last in the league of players that draws penalties. By the way, breaking news this morning, oh. just been reported from player safety that Taylor Hall has been fined $5,000 for the, for the hit, not suspended. Well, listen, give it, give it 15 minutes. Cause there is going to be a suspension you think to so? Lilia Labushkin <laughs> Labushkin for yeah. being the softest player in the league. Right. Right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but you know what? I mean, if you're going to go and make a hit like that and hit a guy head first, you better stick up for yourself. And so, Skates away like nothing happened? Come on. But if you watch it closely, after he makes the hit, he kind of shrugs his shoulders a little bit and expects somebody to come after him. Right? Yeah. yeah. And Look, I don't want to knock on Labushkin because he's been one of my favorite players to watch as a Maple Leaf. He's actually a guy that hits. And it plays physical. This guy averages like five, six hits a game since he's come over from, from Arizona. So, uh, you know, do I think there was a little bit of an embellishment on that play? Maybe. I just hope he's okay. Right. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm listen, I'm, I'm throwing out, I'm, I'm joking when I say that he's, uh, we're having some fun. Carl, you, you know what I wanted to ask you? I mean, you know, being, you grew up in Toronto. You were drafted in the first round by the Leafs. You played for the Leafs and now you cover the Leafs. Can you understand now maybe more than you did as a player, uh, the amount of pressure that Leaf fans or Leaf fans put on players and the amount of pressure that Toronto players feel because of the demand of the Leaf fans? hundred percent. And I think the pressure when I played was different than the pressure that these guys are facing right now. Because when I played, look, I wish I played on some good Maple Leafs teams, but unfortunately I didn't. And there's always going to be pressure in this market because there's the expectation to be a good team. Well, we face the pressures of just not winning and being a good regular season team. Like in my tenure, there was one year we were close to making the playoffs where we lost out on Wade Dublovitz becoming an overnight sensation um, in that game against the Jer- the Devils in the last game of the season that knocked us out. But prior to that, I mean, we were going through a rebuilding year or phase during my tenure here. I was actually, when I got traded out of Toronto, that was them telling themselves that they were ready to start winning. Well, clearly that didn't work because all they did was trade me and Steen to St. Louis and help 
push them to, to, to winning. But the pressure right now is different because the expectations are way higher. I mean, for an organization that hasn't won a playoff series in 18 years, I mean, think about how most people categorize the Maple Leafs as being the hockey mecca of hockey, like the place where, you know, almost they're worldwide, um, you know, beloved. And to think that it's been 18 years since they've won a playoff round. And now you've got you know, one of the best players in the game in Austin Matthews playing for them. You've got Mitch Marner. You've got John Tavares, who's the first hometown star to actually come home and play for the Maple Leafs. The expectations are enormous. So when those expectations aren't being met by either player performances or success of the team, it can be difficult. There can be a lot of, you know, hate and criticism that come your way because there's people that want to see this team succeed and clearly have not reaped the so, benefits. But there are a lot of people, sorry, Rand, to cut you off, but there are a lot of people that also, Carlo, want to see that team fail. Let's, let's be on, and maybe, maybe not in Toronto. Maybe not in Toronto, but around the league. There are a lot of people that want to see the Leafs fail. And this year going into that first round, I mean, regular season's one thing and beating Florida in the regular season and beating Boston last night in a, in a big game that basically, you know, positions them back in, in third uh, in their division, or at least solidifies it for another couple of days anyway. Yep. There are, there are a lot of people that want to see this team fail. So how do you think those players are feeling heading into the first round of the playoffs. Cause obviously the Leafs are going to make the playoffs. The East is set in terms of the one through eight positioning. That's still yet to be determined, but there are no teams outside of eighth or the wild card that can move up. So the Leafs are making the playoffs, but like, what are, what do you think those players are feeling with the, uh, the amount of pressure and expectation of the first round dismissals over the years? I think some of them are scared to death. Think so. I mean, eh? well, I mean, think about it. Like last year was their best opportunity to have any type of success in the playoffs. I mean, you 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 got a first round matchup against the team that had the 18th best record in the NHL. You were up three one, and you faced the same fate that you, as a group, had faced the the previous four years. Couldn't get past the hump. So now. Like I and I've I've never seen that type of hate towards this team in a two week span when that playoff series was over. Because think about think think about how it went down. Not only did you lose again in a game seven, but you lost to your most hated rival doing it. So it was not just the taste of losing again; it was having to hear, like especially relief fans, all of the Montreal fans give it to you even yeah. more yeah so now i mean you double down in the offseason because if you thought there was going to be changes made you thought last year was going to be the best opportunity to do it because you had all the excuses to do it i mean you win your division best team in canada playing in the canadian division playing against the montreal canadians having a 3-1 lead and you still don't do it with this group well, they, they decided to double down and said, look, we still believe in this group. We're going to give another chance. And kudos to them for doing it because the players are backing that up right now. But again, it's the regular season. Well, can I ask you this? Yes. You, you tell me 
if the if the Toronto Maple Leafs and the team that's been built and put together from the forwards to the defense to the goaltending, you tell me if they can win this series against Carolina. I think Carolina might be one of their only chances to win. And the reason why I say that is because they have more star power than I think Carolina does. But I think Carolina boasts the same question marks in net. Well, here's the thing. You know, here's the thing. I mean, I, I understand what you're talking about with the star power and you can go with Matthews and, and uh, Mitchie Marner and Tavares and Nylander. And after that, it, you know, you got Bunton who's had a great season. Okay. I, I understand the star power thing, but here's the thing. Carolina has allowed 40. I'll repeat this 40 less goals against four zero. This is a defensively minded, insanely high end team in the national hockey league. That is literally fighting for number one, the president's trophy this year, Toronto Maple Leafs have zero chance of beating Carolina. It would be their worst matchup because Carolina does not have to score. They have to defend. And here's the thing. Here's the thing that sucks about Carolina. Not only the best defending team in the national hockey league, which is the worst situation for Toronto. They can also score. (laughs) It's not a good situation. They're plus 64 in, in gold differential. Yeah. This is the worst team for for Toronto to play. That's just my opinion. The second team that they possibly could play would be Florida Panthers. Who they just shit kicked, by the way. Listen, Florida Panthers is going to win the Stanley Cup. Wow. Florida Panthers. (laughs) Sounds like a prediction to me, doesn't it? He's going to win the Stanley Cup. Wow. They are loaded. Offensively, offensively, they're the best in the league. They have more goals for than any team in the league, if I'm not Look, mistaken. If there's, I tell you what, Ribs. When yes, the they are. Pan- when the Florida Panthers play, I make sure I watch it because they are a fun yeah. team to Right they from their first them. line all the way to their fourth line, they're stacked. They have size. They have grit. They have elite dominating offensive talent and Barkoff and Huberto. Then they have the middle tier that declare um, – uh, Giroux, um, Sam Bennett, Bennett, Duclair, uh, uh, yeah, Sam Reinhart. Like this team is stacked. Here's the thing. They have their number one defenseman, one of the top defensemen in the league. He is out right now, but he's going to be back for the playoff. Yeah. He's going to be think- back for the playoffs. And if he, and if he isn't, God forbid, if he isn't, they still have a really strong defense core. Yeah. Look, I'm not going to disagree with you at all. I think you make some very valid points. Uh, I the last, to- the last team I was going to say the last team. So they can only play Toronto can only play three teams. Well, four, they're going to be four Carolina, Boston, Boston. If Boston, you know, if Boston is in a two, three, right. It's still possible. It's that close. 
Well, yeah. Boston, Boston and Toronto would have to get into the, two, the top three, which I mean, it's not going to happen. Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay. This is the other team, which I think is the third team. We talked about Carolina, talked about Florida, and now you're talking about Toronto Maple Leafs possibly playing Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is a, is, is a two-time Stanley Cup champ. They are still loaded and they are still moving and grooving. And mm-hmm. if anybody in the league can go toe to toe offensively with Toronto, who's it going to be? It's going to be, it's going to be Tampa Bay. They have yeah, the best goal, t- best goaltender in the world right now. in Vasilevsky, they have the best defenseman, arguably defender in Hedman. I mean, Toronto is in up to their eyeballs in the first round. Couldn't agree more. But so let me, here's the thing. Go ahead, Carl. So go ahead. No, no, no. Go See, ahead. In, in defense to all that, okay? And those are very valid points. Look, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm straight honest with you. I have no faith that the Maple Leafs can win a playoff round just because they have shown me in years past that, they're, that they have not been capable of living up to that moment. I hope I'm wrong. I want yeah. them to win. But until they do it, that's that's the 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 position I'm going to have on them, and and just because of the teams you mentioned too, Tampa Bay's a juggernaut. I think anybody who plays them, I actually think that Tampa Bay has a chance to three feet. That's just the way I feel. Yeah, about absolutely. Florida, I think the best two matchups right now for the Maple Leafs could potentially be maybe three matchups: Carolina, Boston, and Florida, because they have the same question marks that the Maple Leafs have, and that's goaltending. I think you look at this Eastern Conference, there's really only two guys you can trust to steal you a game and maybe even a series. That's Vasilevsky and Shosturkin. And Shosturkin hasn't even had any playoff resume to even back that up, but he's shown me that he's been great enough in this season that he's a guy that can steal a game. Florida, as great as they are, they're going to go as far as their goaltending takes them. Because if their goaltending just goes for you know a crack... Just, just like it did last year in a series, which was incredible to watch between them and Tampa. Yeah. Their goalies let them down in that series. Boston, as great as they're playing, you're missing Chara. You're missing Tori Krug. And I, I don't believe in their goaltending either. Even though Swayman has had a good year, Allmark, you guys have seen him firsthand in Buffalo. I think that's an advantage the Maple Leafs can take advantage of. Now, they can have many advantages. They lost to Columbus and Montreal in black back-to-back playoff series. Yeah. Like, are you going to get two easier matchups than that? Yeah. And, I, yeah. and I, think, I think what could favor the Maple Leafs in this playoffs if they do decide to get over the hump is exactly what we saw last night. Last night, they go into, ta- into Boston where even guys like myself on my show, I gave them no chance to win that game. Yeah, it's a hostile environment in that go, building. Go, going into a horror house of them over the past couple of years, hostile environment, playing against a team that's been the hottest in the league, and they find a way to play some of their best hockey. And that's been the surprising thing about the Maple Leafs is when you count them out, they just find a way to play some of their best hockey. And I think them going in as an underdog in a series might actually take some of the pressure off of them. Is Sheldon Keefe a good coach? Yes. Yeah. I really do believe he's a good coach. So what happens then? Cause I'm going to say, I'm going to say this. I, I want, and I've said this before. I would, I would love to see the Leafs do well. I, yes. I think hockey, the NHL is great when the Leafs are doing well, period. End of story. I mean, for two reasons, for two reasons, because people follow them, people and, hate them. 
and HRR. <laughs> Let's be honest. We got a, we got a billion dollar deficit that we need to, I say we, that the players need to uh, listen. Try there's to not a chance in hell that I am cheering for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Okay. I'm a, I'm a Montreal Canadian. See that right there. I see, see that, that right yeah. there. And the, on the side, I got uh, Jean Beliveau back there. Uh, uh, Dryden. I'm going to tell you right now. A Montreal fan. I can't believe you stay going to sit there. They just absolutely booed you out of town after your comment. Yeah, but you know what? Listen, I mean about about defending Saku Koivu. I mean, Jesus. Yeah, but listen, I mean, I'm I'm a I'm a stronger man than Jack Eichel, so I didn't react the same way. Um, (laughs) Wow, you guys are really giving it to Jack. Well, more really. Listen, when you watch when you watch the body language from for six years. Yeah. Listen, it is what it is, but uh, not to get on that. Like, listen, I mean, Toronto has a huge fan base, and I'm going to tell you, when they are good, it is it is unbelievable to be in, in, in Leaf Nation, okay? Because they're everywhere. There's flags hanging out their bloody cars. There's flags uh, on the friggin' front porch of their house. Everything's Leaf this, Leaf that. Got bumper stickers, you name it. I'm going to tell you right now. There was a time when Leaf Nation was not a very strong hockey team for a number of years. I did not hear one single word. I go back to my hometown, North Bay, Ontario. Oh, my God. The amount of Leaf fans there is just un- overbearing. And I'm a Montreal Canadian all those years. Go back. It's disgusting. It's like, I mean, you go golfing. Guys got freaking Montreal Canadian or uh, Toronto Maple Leaf golf bags. You name it. They're walking around with like golf t-shirts and hats and everything. It's overbearing. Hey, Craig, we had Carlo on for <sighs> him to talk. Not you. I hate the least. <laughs> and I just, I hate the least. Would you? Would you shut up? Just let the man speak. I'm going on mute. I love this. I love You're going this. on mute. I'm putting you on mute. <laughs> Ribs put his mic down. So what happens, Carlo, if and when the Leafs go down in the first round? Let's talk about what happens after. Who gets fired? Dubas? Is he gone? I went on your show and said trade Matthews, but I've been, and then you, I've been absolutely abused for that one. Well, you should be 49 goals and 85 points in like 60 games. The guy is literally a rock star above the rock stars. And you're going to trade this guy away. God damn. Yeah, no, Unpopular I, I, uh, opinion, but I, I love it. That's, that's why you're the best. You know player. what, PD? That's a great question because I, I really don't know what you do do. I mean, if you bow out to the Florida Panthers or you lose to the Tampa Bay Lightning, Maybe if you lose out to the Boston Bruins, I could see something happening because it'd just be like, oh, it's a third time already. You can't beat this team. But if the, if the Leafs lose in seven games again, considering the way the, the, the playoff format is constructed, what are you really accomplishing? You're firing everybody to start over again, right? I mean, it, it doesn't make any sense. And we have people on our show that call in and say, oh, we've got to trade this guy. We've got to break the team up. We've got to blow it up. It doesn't work. You're not trading Marner. You're not trading Matthews. You're not trading Tavares. You know who you're trading. No, 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 no. Go to your fourth guy in the forward line. Go to him. Let's hear it. Is that, is what, Jason Spezza? No. Come on. There you go. Okay, but here's the thing. See you, Willie. Go get yourself a good defenseman. Right. But if you're, if Kyle Dubas is still in charge, 
He's not trading William Nylander. He's and you're going to lose. Okay. I, I Look, I get it. But I, th- those are the questions I ask, right? You want to blow this team up? How are you blowing it up? It's not a bad point. I mean, I guess if you're going out to like one of those top teams, maybe that's, maybe that's a little bit different. I, I just view it from the, from the pressure uh, within, you know, the organization from outside. That's where, that's where that question comes from. You know, I mean, like, who do you fire? Because you know that the media there and the fans there are going to call for somebody's head. Are they not? Oh, for sure they are. 100%. They did it last year. Yeah. They did it last year. Like, I've never seen the vitriol with fans, the anger with fans towards this team. It was, it was insanity, and nothing happened. So, I mean, and I guess because of the way it happened last year, it made people more angry. What's this team missing to be able to make the next step? Like, they have insanely high-end offense okay they've got some big strong physical guys in the forward line their defense as much as it um may not be the most pleasing to the eye it's a good defense morgan riley's a great hockey player tj brody's a great hockey player like you have a young uh rasmus uh sandine i i mean justin hall i like justin hall like this is a good solid defense core look and i think Look, they're not the greatest defense score, but they can do a decent job. And especially since the new guys came in with Labushkin, who I've been very impressed with, and you yep. bring in Mark Jordano, that just brings that veteran, swagger. solid swagger, that presence back yep. on the blue line. Yep. As a group of six, you put – so this is the way I would view the group of six when everybody's healthy. Riley, Labushkin, uh, Jordano, Brody, Muzzin, and Hall. Like you have Muzzin and Hall as your bottom six. Like that's wow. pretty good. So you really are a big fan of this uh, Labushkin. I take it all back. I take <laughs> no it all I, back on this you know kid. I like his game. You know why I like his game? Yep. Because he's exactly what the Maple Leafs need back there. Absolutely. A guy that just plays a simple game and plays with physicality. Yeah. And like, I don't expect anything. Like he's not, he's not a game changer, but Morgan Riley has had his best success as a Toronto Maple Leaf when he plays with a guy that just plays a simple game, Ron Hainsey, TJ Brody. And now since he's been paid with, been paired with Labushkin, it's like he can just feel comfortable playing his game. Cause he knows like he's got a guy back there. That's just going to make safe plays. Rev Ilya Labushkin's played 197 games in the NHL. Do you know how many goals he has? Probably two or three. I don't know. One goal. I'm not yeah. criticizing. I'm just letting you know what, what kind of player he is. He is a, he is a stay at home, you know, physical, you know, defenseman that, you know, that definitely the Leafs have needed him. He was in Arizona and that's why we never heard of him. And he was never drafted. And that's another reason why we never heard. Okay. Of him. Yeah. 27 years old, six two, 208 pounds, physical defending guy. He's, he, he kind of reminds me of, uh, um, and maybe I don't know this. I, I don't know this kid, but he reminds me of a uh, little Rocco Gudis. Right. Right. You know, right. a physical play on the edge, you know, everybody defender. needs a Rocco Gudis. Yes. Right. No question. Hey, Carlo, are you, uh, is, hold on, just finish yeah, on the boost. Yeah, go ahead. When you have a guy like that on your back end that plays that type of game, what are the other guys doing that watch him play? Like, Oh, it rubs off. Right. 
So, and I think that's what you're seeing right now. And especially these last couple of games, I know it's a small sample size, but you're seeing this team play with a little bit more jam on the back end. Yeah. Uh, I know I asked you about the pressure and everything about playing in Toronto. And when you got traded from Toronto to St. Louis, what, like, what, what was that like for you emotionally from Toronto, drafted by Toronto, played for Toronto, but then you go to a, maybe like a, not at the time, not as a, a hockey crazed market. Was it refreshing for you to leave and, and maybe go somewhere with a, a fresh Did you start? even want to go to Toronto? When I got drafted? Yeah. Of course. Yeah. I mean, is, did I expect it? hundred percent? No. But when you get drafted to Toronto, it's like, wow, I can't believe what just happened. I just turned into a celebrity overnight and a young kid growing up in Toronto, get drafted to the Maple Leafs, young kid going into this locker room full of all the players that I watch on TV. Like I was just, it was just more amazed, like starstruck by it. But as I reflect in my career now, look, I'm, very grateful that I play for Toronto because it's provided me great opportunity in my post career, doing what I do, yeah. having the profile to that, that, that I've played for the Maple Leafs. But do I always think my career would have been different if I didn't play in Toronto? Yeah. 100%. I mean, I played, I started my career. I made a team at a training camp because I led the team in scoring. I was on this incredible high with so much momentum. And I got healthy for the first nine games of the season because Pat Quinn was the coach and I was on a roster with a bunch of older 30 year olds. I wasn't going to be given a chance. And I wonder if I would have went to a team like LA, which I, I don't know if you guys know the story, but literally LA picked one pick after Toronto, by the way, in that draft, LA picked 18. And when I went to the table to say hi to everybody in the lease organization, LA was actually a team I thought I was going to go to because I met with them a bunch of times. Their head scout at the time, I don't remember his name, grabbed my attention, showed me the jersey with my name on it. So I was going to be LA's next pick if the Ronald didn't, didn't take me. And you just wonder where my career would have been different. You'd be in the movies right now, bud. <laughs> well, not just that. I'd have two Stanley Cups maybe, right? Two Stanley Cups. You'd be, you'd be a rock star among the stars. And uh, listen, I mean, would have played more games. Like who knows? Like, do you know, I who just, they, do you know who they drafted? Yeah. Carlson. Something. Jens Carlson. Jens Carlson. Jens played Carlson. zero games. Really? Played, played zero games in the league. And then the pick after that was Boston. They took a defenseman. They took Shane Morrison. Morrison. Yeah. Shane Morrison. Yeah. I played with Shane Morrison. You played with him in. In Buffalo. Buffalo. Yeah. 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 I think I, yeah. I think I played with him. Yes, I, I know he did. I think you did. Yeah, he was there. Yeah, that's that's know, interesting I, I perspective. Always, that that even you know you you think that hockey wise your career would have been different. I mean, I, I think I think that's unreal. Being a Toronto kid and then being drafted by the Leafs in the first round is is within my first three years in the organization. I maybe played six games. Right. If you go to these one of these other organizations that has that prioritized, you know younger players to come into their lineup a little more. Maybe I would have played more. Maybe my career would have been different. Uh, you know, I look at the end of the day, I know I don't want to take it back. I'm very, very happy and satisfied with the way my career went. My biggest regret in, in the game is that I didn't get a chance to experience playoff hockey in Toronto because I know how crazy this city gets. And that would have been something amazing to experience, but Hey, you live and you learn. I still grinded out 14 years in the NHL. I played two years in Europe and now I'm enjoying my post career here in Toronto covering the team. 
of all the teams of all the teams that you played excluding Toronto. Okay. Let's take Toronto out of the mix. Cause that's a given. Cause you're from Toronto. Obviously if you're from Toronto, you want to play for the Leafs, St. Louis, Detroit, um, Philly and Buffalo were the other teams that you played for mm-hmm. of those four teams, which is the one team that you would want to have played your entire career for. My entire career for, I'd probably have to say the Toronto Maple Leafs. No, I mean, aside from the Leafs. Aside from the Leafs. Aside from the Leafs. Um, like, what, what, what was a great market that you went to that you were just like, this is incredible? Uh, well, all of them were, to be honest with you. But I had my best career years in St. Louis. Uh, me and my wife even talked about living there, um, you know, post-career because we loved it so much. It was great sports town, a very laid back town, a great place to raise a family. I mean, they have one of the best, biggest alumni um, of the NHL because, you know, a lot of guys just go back and live there. Um, but I, I really do wish that there was two, actually all three places. I wish I could have experienced more than one year in all three of Detroit feeling. And most importantly, like Buffalo, like, I wish my time in Buffalo would have been different. I wanted to stay and play there a couple more years. And I don't know if I know if I told you guys a story about how it ended, but um, in my, (laughs) this is still the craziest thing I've ever had a coach say to me in my end of the year meeting in Buffalo, I met with Balsma and I was obviously expressing my displeasure on how the year went and you know, how at the end of the season, when I finally got a chance to play a lot, they bring in this, college kid Casey Nelson and they just feed you know force feed him into the lineup yeah he worked bothered me and you know and I said look I've obviously accepted my role on what I'm gonna be in the NHL you know I'm gonna be a depth guy a good role guy you know good teammate stuff like that I'm okay with that but I know I'm better than that and you know if that means I can carry that role into this season again next season being part of this I'm 100% welcoming it Dan Bosma looked me straight in the face and asked me how old I was. I was like, well, maybe that's the reason why you didn't trust me enough. I was 31 years old in the league, a veteran guy. You know how old I was? Like that really, really bothered me. So when I met with Tim Murray, like did he, he, he genuinely did not know how old you were. Yeah. He asked me straight in my face. He goes, by the way, how old are you? I was like, you're asking me this at the end of the year meeting? Do some research, Dan. Like, maybe, maybe that's why you didn't, like, trust me when I was out there. I was like, I'm a veteran guy. Don't you see every young guy that played with me was having success playing with me? Like, it's just... You know what I would have said, Carlo? You know what I would have said? I would have said, that's none of your damn business, Dan, and I appreciate you staying out of my personal affairs. <laughs> Got any more of that gum? Got any more of that gum? <laughs> You're a weird man, a weird uh, guy. So when I met with um, Tim Murray, Tim Murray afterwards, I shared the same thing with him. I said, "Look, like I don't really want to move anymore. Still feel like I got a lot to give in the game. I'd love to be back and be part of this rebuild, help the younger players." It's like, yeah, you know, we're really happy with everything you brought to the group this year. I understand things didn't go as well, but you know we've had talks about you. We'd like to bring you back. We'll be in touch with your agent, but uh, you know, let's, let's stay in touch on this. We're not committing to anything right now. Cause we want to see how July 1st goes, but you know, clearly you're a guy we're thinking of. I was like, okay, so look, I'm, I'm going to prepare to stick around. Like I'm going to stay here in the summer. I'm going to work. It's like, yeah, yeah, do everything, do everything. We'll stay in touch with the agent. 
I re-upped my lease in Buffalo. I stayed in Buffalo all summer. I trained with all the guys. I worked with all the young guys. Staying in touch with my agent, you know, throughout the summer, I'm turning down European bills, turning on everything. I didn't even care to go to free agency. I said to my agent, I said, don't even bother. If Buffalo is going to take this chance with me, I'm willing to commit to that. So I stay here. I don't want to move anymore. I'm committed to this because I, I enjoyed living in Buffalo. I enjoyed playing for the Sabres. Training camp comes around first couple of days. My agent's saying, yeah, Timmy Murray's not really committing to anything right now, but don't worry. We'll get something like that. Two days before training camp, I get a call from my agent on the way to the rink and said, uh, Carlo, you probably want to go to the rink and pack your stuff. I just, Tim Murray called me this morning and said that they're going to go younger this year. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? You dragged me along all summer. I committed myself to this. And now you're hanging me out to dry like this? Like, I was pissed. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, fuck. Nature you know, of the like, nature of sports, man. That's bullshit. And, and you know, that's to me, that's where I think the game has gone wrong, where the respect factor for older guys has sort of lost its you know, it's, it's but I you know what I heard that about Oscar. look, I heard that about Tim Murray. I heard it he was terrible communicator. Like absolutely terrible when it came to getting in touch with people. Uh, communicating with right. players My and their agents. told me there was time in the summer. He just went dark. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't answer anything. And you know what? I mean, everybody has their own way of doing things, right? That could have been his niche. You know, like Darcy Regeer, who I, which was in my time here in Buffalo. I got to tell you right now, I think Darcy Regeer did a incredible job. And what I mean by that is, he was a general manager of a team that had an insane salary cap. Like there was no salary cap back, you know, for years and years, but he had an internal salary cap in Buffalo and did a fantastic job drafting and building a culture and environment with Lindy Ruff. And they competed with a much, much, much lesser internal salary cap and we're always competitive it was run exceptionally well but pd how many times a week did you see darcy regear down near the dressing room uh like uh, i i can't tell if this is a trick question or not if you're gonna say you didn't see him or you know i saw him I, all the time he was all the time i mean he was to the point the where time. you thought he was maybe in bathroom stalls with his feet up listening yes. to, listening to conversations yes he would like guys used to refer to Darcy as the Butler and Mr. Deeds who just kind of shot out of nowhere. Like Darcy would just, you just see Darcy all of a sudden just walk through the bathroom in the back where like guys would be talking or, you know, where the bathroom stalls and the toilets were and the, the, all the sinks and everything in the shower, Darcy would just be walking by. He wanted to hear stuff. Darcy Regeer. Never did he stop to have a conversation. No. No. Never did no. in in three years I was there. Just I wanted saw, to see if he could smell booze and hear hear a story that might get guys in trouble. Yes, sir. Mm. And listen, I mean, he 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 oh. he had his finger on the pulse. He did what he had to do to keep guys in line, and he was noticed all the time. He you, had his you finger on the pulse that. to an obsessive degree. 
Okay. So, so this is what I go back with Tim Murray. Yeah. This is what I go back to. Tim Murray goes, you know, he goes, you know, you, you don't hear from him for, for months at a time. You don't see him. But Darcy Regeer was the exact opposite. It's It just depends on your style in which you want to do things, right? Yeah. Carl, I think nowadays, you know, to have the most success both as a coach and a GM, like, you don't need it. Like, to me, like, you're not going to go find a coach that's going to, like, outsmart somebody else with their systems and stuff like that. Because pretty much players that come into the game, they're all learning the same things. Yeah. The best coaches nowadays, and I think going back to your Montreal Canadiens fandom, just like I was smart and saying, it's communication. Yes. Yeah. The more communication yes. you can have and the better communication you can have with your players, the better success you're going to have. And that's with both a coach and a GM. Uh, uh, besides communication, you have to have respect. 100%. That's insanely big. Because listen, when things go wrong is, is when you get, you have your problems. And if players do not respect the coach, you have a problem. If the coach does not respect the players, you have a problem. But if you can have a coach that, that implements his system, his structure, his style, his environment, the players buy into it. There's lots of communication because these players nowadays are not held in the dark. Like we were back in the day, we weren't told anything. We, you know, everything was behind closed doors and then we got it. We, we got our game plan. That's just the way it was. Now there's more communication with players. They're asking players more of their opinions and, and thoughts. And I think it's, it's important. And if the players respect the coaches, when things go wrong, that's when you get out of, out of the, the, the dungeon. You get out of it quicker because everybody's buying into the same initiative. Well, the game's completely changed. It's gone from players like us in our time. And I say our time, it's like, I'm not going all the way back. And Riv, you were way before all, uh, both Carlo and I. But players in our time were made to feel like being uncomfortable is the best way for a player to perform. Right. And now it's yes. almost the opposite. It's almost like all these players are comfortable. Right. Like super, super, com- super comfortable, super comfortable. Yeah. But you say that, I mean, there it, it's too much, but I mean, the product that we're getting on the ice um, skill wise has never been better. I mean, PD and I were talking about this, you know, the last week, every time we get on, we, we always talk about, Oh my God, you have an 11 two game with uh with pittsburgh and detroit you go look at the next game at five four you go look at the next game you have toronto maple leafs are are what six to four i mean scoring has to be at the highest Yeah. yeah i mean it's just you go through the game and i mean there is so much scoring and entertainment right now it it's the game's fantastic and i think what plays a big part in that too is Normally at this time of year, you know, traditionally you'd see games get tighter because you're going into the playoffs, but the condensed schedule and all these makeup games right now, you're seeing a level of fatigue in these players. Absolutely. 100%. That's a great point. A great point. Yeah. Right. Like, like even, even with the goalies, like Shesterkin's giving up three a night, Vasilevsky's giving up three a night. Like when these guys are in their groove, they're not giving up those many goals. And I think we're at a point in the season right now, these guys are playing four games a week. Right. 
And that's, that to me, I think is attributing to a lot of the scoring extra scoring you're seeing in, in games too, but I'm not going to complain about it. Like, you know, sign me up. I, if you're giving me nine goals, 10 goals on average in, in a game, that's exciting for the game. Carlo, you were, you were in Buffalo for Jack Eichel's rookie season. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I just, I want to know if that was your first and only year in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Did you, now that we're seven years removed or six years removed from that. Yeah. Are you shocked at how things have gone? And when you were playing here, were you kind of thinking, man, it's not going to take long. Cause you got O'Reilly, you got Eichel, you got Reinhardt, you got oh, 100%. I'm shocked. Yes. I'm very shocked that things have not been able to um, sort themselves out in Buffalo because that year, Jack Eichel's first year, I think we finished five points out of a playoff spot. Like we were very close to being competitive, uh, you know, playoff team. And I'll, I'll, I remember vividly that summer, they let me go. Weber was gone because they traded him. David Leguan, they let him go. And they just thought by letting the veteran guys go, they could be easily replaced. Well, those were big locker room guys, including myself. I thought, you know, I was, even though I wasn't an everyday guy, but, you know, I still represented myself. I saw you that guy. year. You were bringing a positive attitude every day. So what do you mean? A locker room means something? <laughs> <laughs> Going back to Kyle, well, Dumas, you know, culture is just a buzzword. That was about eight years right. ago. We brought that up. But. Right. And culture is an important word. And I think, you know, having a guy like leg one around, was very, very important for a guy like Ryan O'Reilly because Ryan O'Reilly was brought over for his leadership skill, but he needed somebody like, like Gio and like Josh Georges were there, but somebody else to help him keep guys like Rhino, like Eichel, like Evander Kane, like some of the other player, younger players in that team and checked and hold them accountable. Yeah. And I think that's where Buffalo lost control of it. Whereas that they, forgot the importance of having older guys around. I mean, the following year, they let Gio go. If, if you correct me if I'm wrong, Gio, Georgie left the locker room that year too. So what did you replace those guys with? More younger players? How did that help? When well, you, like, listen, but, you, you look at what happened with Kevin Adams this year in the Buffalo Sabres. Kevin Adams, his team at the time was uh, fifth worst, worst in the league. He had a decision to make. But they were, he was also in a, put in a position as, as a GM to look at his team and evaluate. Okay. He could have went and traded three, four players, knowing that he's already out of the playoffs. He's got to continue to rebuild. But here's the thing. Buffalo beat the Toronto Maple Leafs twice. They beat the Vegas Golden Knights in a huge game. They went out west. They, they beat uh, um, Calgary, Vancouver. Right come back, you know, I mean, they've played exceptionally well. Kevin Adams needed to make a decision. He chose to say to the guys in the dressing room, I'm going to keep Eakin, who's a veteran guy. I'm going to keep Mark Pissick, who apparently is an incredible guy in the locker room. I'm going to keep Colin Miller. I'm going to keep these guys because I believe in the team. I see the direction that they're going. The team on the ice And in the locker room, 
has never been tighter. The environment of Peyton Krebs, the environment of Alex Tuck coming in, this is something that's being built and it's starting inside the dressing room and flourishing onto the ice. And you need veteran hockey players to, to just hold. They're like the, the glue. What's your, the what's other, your view the of the mistake. Sabres? Yeah, go ahead. So the other mistake I think the Sabres made was they gave Jack Eichel the C way too early, way too early. I think it was his second year or third year in the league. They handed him the C. Yeah. Third. And I just think that for a kid that's already facing a lot of pressure, with being the comparable to Connor McDavid and all the conversation in Buffalo, especially Tim Murray being on, on record saying that, Oh, I've lost sleep, you know, losing the, I, the McDavid sweepstakes. It, it really didn't give Jack a fair chance in the beginning. And I think as much pressure as Jack put on himself to be great, he was great in a lot of years and that he played in Buffalo. I just think he didn't need that extra added responsibility as a 20, 21 year old to be faced into the mic every day, answering questions about why this team is struggling all the time. Cause think about how much, how much that wears on him for what I think he wanted it though. Do you think that, that maybe he just didn't have a, an understanding of what came along with being ah, a captain? That, that's of- part of it. That's part of it. I, I think, I mean, I think every player wants it because it's a symbol of, you know, what you represent on your team, but it's also a question is, do you deserve it right now? I mean, I go to two examples just because they were examples in my own career. St. Louis had to make a decision when Petrangelo and David Backus, or sorry, when Eric Jackman and Eric Brewer left. Sorry, I think it was Eric Brewer that was the captain of the team. They traded him away and they needed to name a captain that next year. And I kept begging and pleading. Petro was one of my best friends, one of the best players on the team in his second year in the league. I kept begging and pleading. Don't give this guy the C. He doesn't need it. He doesn't need it because you put the C on him, all it does is put extra pressure on him. He's got to be the voice in the locker room. He's got to be the guy answering the tough questions in coaches' meetings and stuff like that. Just let this guy play hockey. They gave him the A and they gave David Backus a C because David Backus was the older guy, could, could handle all the extra responsibilities that a captain needed to, to, to be responsible for. Look, those coaches' meetings are sometimes tough that players don't want to be a part of, especially if you're a young guy. Think if you're a young guy and you've got a bunch of old guys in the room, the coach is asking at you, saying, hey, what do you think we should do as a team? Like, it's just an unfair spot to put a guy in. Yeah. And he's never had the experience of winning, the losing, and all of the stuff that happens in between. Why are you asking a guy that's only played who's 20 years old? He's a baby. And then you got some 32 year old that's sitting there. That's a, that's like war tested. Right. I mean, and so the other example is, and look, they didn't give him the C and look at what Alex Petrangelo's become. Eventually they gave him the C because he grew into that. Yeah. I got got to learn under David Backus, got to play, got to turn into the star that he is. But you also have, you also have a lot of team. Okay. The other example I'm going to refer to Austin Matthews, Austin Matthews, two years ago, there was a debate. Who should the Leafs name captain? Everyone's like, give it to Matthews. He's the guy. He's the best player. I said, why? Give it to Tavares because he's a guy that's played with the C on his shoulder, a guy that can be the face in the media, answer all the tough questions, a guy that can sort out all the things Caps can do, and just let Austin Matthews play the game of hockey. Look how that's turned out. He's eventually going to be the captain. 
just didn't, didn't need to happen right right then and there. Where in Arizona? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> hey, he'll be the captain in Arizona one day. So, okay, last thing we'll ask you here, and we greatly appreciate your time. My pleasure, Brian. What What's your perception of the Sabres now, and where are they heading in your eyes? I love what I see of the Sabres. And I told you guys when I joined you guys over the summer, I said the most important decision the Buffalo Sabres need to make this offseason is get the right coach. And I think they hired the right coach for this team. Don Granado, to me, has been amazing with this group. Because think about what he's allowed them to believe in themselves. I don't know, Ribs, you're laughing. I don't know if you agree. Well, with I, I just, he, to me, he's an don't experiment. Point out, don't point out. To me, he, oh, actually, that, that, that laughing from, is directed at me. So, Craig, don't interrupt. Donnie Meatball is the guy, and Petey calls him the experiment. But go, go, go ahead and talk about it. Petey, let him talk. Why, the reason why I said Don Granato was the best option for you, because he's a guy who was an assistant coach under the staff that failed got the interim tag, got the team to play at a level that was acceptable for for the Buffalo Sabres. Yes. And what did that do? It allowed Don Granato to have his hands on the pulse of this team, learn the players, what he has, what he needs to have success. If you would have brought in another guy, what are you accomplishing? You're telling another guy to come in and say, learn everything about our players one more time. What's the one thing the Sabres have done too much of in the last decade? Change coaches. But too many coaches, too many new people in and out of the lineup. You don't create stability with that. I really like the way this team plays. They play hard, you know, even though they don't have much talent, but they're giving teams fits with every game that they play. I said for a team that has doesn't doesn't have much expectations. I said to Craig and all I said was, and I wasn't being uh, disrespectful when I said it, but Craig will take something a little bit, a little bit. Shut up. Just shut up for a minute. All right. (laughs) And all I said was, look, I wasn't happy with the way the team was playing. They weren't playing physical. They weren't playing very well defensively. They were losing games. They, they were, they just, uh, they were Don Granato or with Don Granato. Pardon me? What, this year. Don Granato? Oh, this, this year. year. And I said, uh, and you know, they were struggling and they, there were, there were things that we were seeing from players that you're just like, you need more, you need more. And, uh, and at the time, this is a, this is a solid month ago. Like the team really just started playing good hockey in the last four or five weeks that they've really been, really been good. And all I said was, I wasn't convinced that this coach was the answer. I haven't, I hadn't seen enough at that point. I saw a lot of guys turning away from checks, saw a lot of players like defensive players struggling to play defense in their own zone and all that stuff. Right. And all I said was at the time I said, look, I said, Don Granato was an inexpensive experiment for this team when they fired the last coach, cause they were still paying Housley. They're probably still playing, paying Bilesma. They're probably still paying Ted Nolan. I mean, they might still be paying Lindy Ruff. They've had seven coaches here. And <laughs> how do you forget? <laughs> how do you forget Freddy Krueger? And I'm just like, and that's the guy that they're paying. So yeah. all I was saying was, you know, they were going to go and hire a college coach. Anyway, they were going to hire a fresh face coach. And I think it was because they didn't want to spend two, three, four million dollars on a Boudreaux on somebody else. Cause they were paying already millions to other coaches. So they gave them a two year deal for seven or 800 grand, which is great 
for Don Granado. It was an experiment for him. It was an experiment for the team. And it was to test the waters because I don't think Kevin Adams had a clue what was going on and what he had in his, in his bank here. That's all I said. And they gave him a shot. And right now it's working right now. It's working. However, I will say that when we see this team next year come out of the gate strong, playing hard, playing the way they are now in, in where everyone's on the same playing field and you're not so far out of the playoffs where you can play loose, then I will buy into meatballs. But until then, we're only playing well again for the 10th straight year. House money. When the games don't matter. Yeah. And, so, and look, you make some, some very valid points, Petey. I think the two... I would say the top priorities that the Sabres should focus on in the off season. One, you're getting Owen power next year. And that's, I mean, I've been very impressed with the, the, the year that Rasmus Dahlien has had, he's taken a step and that's a very positive thing for the Sabres. You pair him with, with Owen power, who's looks legit to me. I don't know how he's going to be in his first full season, in the NHL, but he looks legit. He looks like a guy that can't load. First and foremost, you got to go get a goal. Like you, you can't, you can't be riding with Craig Anderson, even though he's been in a marvelous story this year, playing at the age. Can't bank on Devin Levi, who's in college. Can't bank on Pekka right. Lukanen. You can't bank right. on these Gotta young get kids. Gotta get a goaltender. Gotta what get about a Malcolm goaltender. Subban? Do you give him a shake? He was a former first rounder. I mean, why would you not try to roll with him? I like but, Malcolm yeah. Subban. Look, this he was. So where did he come from? Did he come from Chicago? Or did he come uh, from Vegas. Vegas, I. Th- thought was he in he was in chicago for a bit i know that i can't remember how they even got him wherever he was last he showed that he had some good hockey in him. he was like, in the minors really well. for chicago, in the minors. that's right he was yeah. for in chicago yep yeah you, you got to give him a chance for sure but is he a guy that you think can be able to no you don't one? like i i, I no, you don't you're not giving him a chance right because um, uka pekalukanen is the goaltender of the immediate future he, when he played, played very well. Yeah. You're going to give this guy who's now going to be, what's his age, Petey? 22, 23. He's coming of age. He's played a couple years in the minors. He's played well when he played up with the Sabres. He is going to be one of your goaltenders. Now, is he going to be playing 55 games? No. You're going to need a another goaltender, a stopgap guy that can take the pressure off Ukapekalukanen. Why wouldn't that be Craig Anderson again? Craig Anderson, if he were to play all the games that he missed, Sabres be in the playoffs. Really? That's how well. That's how well the statistics show that if they had Craig Anderson for the games that he had missed, they'd be in the playoffs. Nah, well, I don't know. I don't know that I'm buying it's, it's that. A, it's, a, it's a tough thing to. He's been good, but I don't think Sabers have gone through six goaltenders, Carl. Oh, I know. I know. You know what I'm, I'm saying? saying? Like that's why I said, go get a goaltender. Go get a legit number one guy. Because yeah. if you do that, now you allow everybody in front of you Are, to play the. Is way there a number one guy out there, or do you oh, need God. a stopgap? A guy that can control the locker room and be ex- insanely dependable to help a, a younger player like Uka Pekalukanen mm-hmm. um, and give him an opportunity to, to really take over a year and get acclimated to the National Hockey League. Well, Vili Husso, I think, is going to be a, a UFA. Who's that? Uh, the kid in St. Louis, Vili Husso. Um, he's Finnish, you know. 
speaks the same language. I know he's not a veteran guy, but he's looking like a legit number one playing in St. Louis. Is he a guy maybe you take a shot at? Jack Campbell is probably. I mean, a legit number one. Like, is he taking over the spotlight uh, over Bing- uh, Bennington? Oh, yeah. He's been the guy as St. Louis is playing, not Bennington. Bennington's been like totally lost in St. Louis this year. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Watch the fucking league, Riv. <laughs> what else do you want to see what else do you want to see the Sabres do in the offseason what are some other moves Rivs and I have talked about a couple physical defensemen like a good Branson yeah. or something yeah well look I I don't know how you guys feel but I really like that Robert Hag I'm surprised that Buffalo didn't find a way to keep him to give him up for a sixth round pick I mean what are you really accomplishing by doing that um, he, I thought he brought some good physicality, some good steadiness back there. Uh, yeah. I mean, every, I think when you're putting together a defense core, it's all about balance, right? You got to have that balance, especially if you're going to be leaning on two younger studs like Darlene and power to be the horses back there. Um, I think uh, ultimately too, like you're not going to find your superstar guy out there. You're going to continue to develop your young players that you have. Uh, with Krebs, with Tage Thompson, who you know you guys have been very high on over the last couple of years, is really coming into his own. Um, I think ideally you look for those middle class guys still, you know, those guys that can come somewhere between two and three million dollars that can fill out anywhere from four to twelve in your lineup that are going to bring certain um, elements that you need, whether it's penalty killing, power play, physical, checker, speed, whatever it is. There's always those guys on the market that you can find. But most importantly, you got to bring in character guys. Find the character. Carlo, who is in your Stanley Cup final? Before the season started, I said, um, who was the team I had in the East? Um... I know I had Vegas in the West. I think I said the Islanders. Islanders. So obviously we we know the the, the season the Islanders have had. It was got yeah. thrown off the rails early. Kind of shocking a little bit, don't you think? Very well. I mean, when you start the season with 13 straight games on the road, and then you get derailed by COVID and you're in your homecoming yeah. and you're 20 games behind everybody, it's a tough thing to overcome. Yep. I would say right now, I'm going with Tampa and I'm going with Calgary. Uh, I like that. Shut your, yeah. shut your face. I like the I like the Calgary pick. I like the Calgary. I just think pick. that you know the Pacific Division, Vegas potentially not being in there. I don't trust Edmonton's goaltending. LA's been a great story, but to me, they don't look like a hard out. And Calgary, man, they are. Like, you know what Calgary reminds me of? I played against those two LA teams when they won the Cup, coached by Daryl Sutter. Very, very similar. Very similar with the way they're built. So I'm going to jump in here. I'm going to go Florida. Who's going to win the Stanley cup. And they're going to be playing the Colorado avalanche. Cause I think they're you, I don't care. I'm giving my opinion. Uh, I'm going with the two monsters of the East and the West. Here's my dark horse team. You ready for it? New York Rangers. Here's Minnesota wild. Ooh, right in the flurry train. Aren't they we? are on fuego. They're big. They're physical. They have game-changing offense. They have great defense. And Mark andre Fleury is playing 
lights out. And if I'm not mistaken, do they not have Cam Talbot? Yeah. Cam Talbot's been unbelievable for, for Minnesota. If, right. The nice one, two punch there. Well, yeah. he has been for most of the season. I think the reason why they went out and got flurry is because he went through a stretch there of, you know, some yeah. hockey, but yeah, I think bringing in flurry has really reignited him again. So yeah. yeah. Favorite road city when you played. Uh, Montreal was always fun. That's Where'd you go? Too. Where, where is your uh, watering hole? Were you, so were you the, uh, were you the Irish pub at Hurley's downtown or were you going to Buena Note with uh, the snobs? Uh, Buena Note was, was the yeah. hot spot for dinner, but the Irish pub was more of like a lunch thing. Right. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> See, the, thing, the thing in Montreal, it, like we never stayed overnight in Montreal. So it was always like the night before. So, yeah. I mean, there was one night that we stayed after a game and obviously you, you know how much fun you can have in Montreal. Gong show. But one of my favorite places to play was Nashville. Just awesome. Like to see what that place has turned into. Yeah. Cause you got the hotel there. You got the street right behind it. You don't have to jump in a cab to go anywhere. You're walking, yeah. bar hopping from Stumbling. every place that you want to go to. Stumbling. It's, it's the best place in the league to play. Worst road city. Last question we'll ask you. This is easy for me, but New I'll Jersey. Um, yeah. I'd have to say New Jersey. Oh, you guys didn't like, I, like the Island, the Islanders, Chicago. New Jersey or the Islanders. There's, you can't go oh, out. But here's there. the thing. Like I'm not a big city guy. Like I hate the city. I hate traffic. I hate people around me all the time. So when people say New York, like it doesn't really excite me. I, yeah, I'm more same. of like a casual laid back kind of guy, like the scenery, you know, like the weather and stuff like that. Knowing that I can get to places on my own instead of having, I mean, back in the day, we didn't have Uber available for us. So it was like always hailing the cab. So places that I hated the most, huh? I, I'm going to be honest. I hated Minnesota. <laughs> Minnesota was. I thought Washington place. sucked. Washington, yeah. But Washington's got that nice little block downtown with the mall, a couple of nice restaurants. I used to love that hotel, the Mayflower. Mayflower, yeah. I love that yeah, hotel. Nice hotel. Uh, but yeah. I, just, I hated going to Atlanta. I hated the Atlanta. I got a funny story about I, I got a funny story about the Atlanta trip, Carlos. But didn't they but didn't Atlanta where we most teams stayed, and I can't remember the hotel. Buckhead. But yeah. wasn't there a uh, Morton's or some awesome yes. restaurant that was right by the hotel, which uh, yes. New so, York yeah. Prime, I think it was called. There was it was the restaurant like right across the parking lot there. That's right. That's right. right. Yeah. So yeah. I always remember I don't I I remember Atlanta as being like actually a pretty good place. Like do you remember the hotel there? So Do you remember had, the hotel? Oh yeah. The one that was on the hill? No, the, the hotel. We used to stay at the Ritz Carlton there. Well, the hotel, the hotel The hotel gave me the heebie-jeebies because it was in and I don't know and I don't know if same spot. But the hotel you could look up into like like you could see like um um the rooms from standing in the lobby, you can see like the levels, every level going up. And once you got up onto like, you know, the 27th floor, you're looking Look down, down into the lobby. the lobby. And here's yeah. the thing, like I'm six foot two, the, the rail goes up to my hip. And I'm thinking to myself, this is <laughs> the worst hotel in the history of hotels because you come home drunk. Well, <laughs> well, I never come home drunk. I had to play the next night, but like, 
you look at the immaturity of the guys messing around in the hotel and it was my it it, even to this day it gives me gives me a sick feeling in my stomach because i'm not big on heights so we're we're at the we're at the ritz carlton in atlanta and we i can't remember where we played the night before we might have been in buffalo and then gone to atlanta for a back-to-back craig wakes up we have a team meeting because the the rink was so far from buckhead where we had to stay in the traffic sucked riv comes down he sits at the table he looks at the guys at the table and he goes, what city are we in? <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even know. And we all kind of looked like, you're kidding, right? He's like, no, I have, I have no idea who we're playing tonight. I have no idea Jeez. what city we're in. Wow. He's like, Arlo, all these is- hotels look the same. He said, all these Ritz Carlton's, they all look yeah. the same. And we, he thought we were in Boston at the Ritz Carlton in Boston. Yeah. I thought we were in Boston. (laughs) Carlo, Carlo, you understand this. I, you played a long time in the league and, and, and at this time, you know, I was probably like 13, 14, 15 years, like playing in the league. And it was like groundhog day. You, you play in a city and here's the thing. You walk out of the dressing room, you go down the corridors, you get onto the bus underneath the garage, you get on the bus you drive to the airport. The, the bus drives right out onto the tarmac. You get on the plane. You fly to the city. You get in at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. You're tired. You're, you're, and you get off, off the bus. You go into the hotel. You grab your key. Here's the thing. Every goddamn hotel looks the same. Dang, so you go up repetitive. to your room. It's all repetitive. I literally woke up. I woke up. And this is like year 14 of my career. And I'm literally downstairs. I'm looking at the guys and I'm like, I don't even know where we are. I don't know who we're playing tonight. I don't know what city we're in. I'm going to be honest with you, Rivs. That's probably the best way to live in the NHL, honestly, because I, I almost, I almost like compare that to like, you know, the pregame war or pregame scouting or the coaches meetings and stuff like that, where they go over guys and the boards and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, I really don't care to know who's on the other team because I feel like if I do know, then I'm thinking about it. But if I don't know, I'm just worrying about playing the game of hockey against the team I'm playing with. That's a good point. Well, they're going over the guys in the team. I'm like, holy shit. I've been in this league forever. I'm like a dinosaur. (laughs) You not think I know who this guy is. I know everything about him. I know where he lives in the summer, where his summer home is. Like I know his kid's name. (laughs) Breakout, stuff like that. It's like, just shut him down. That's all you need to do. Shut him down. This is more, man. Same thing with the hotels. You made a great point, man. It's like, I never forgot what city I was in, but when I played, I never knew what my schedule was the next week or a couple of days later. Cause I always just say, okay, what am I doing today? What am I doing Carlo, today? Carlo, have you ever had this last story? I went out for dinner one night. I went out for dinner one night and I left dinner and I went to uh, you know, a quick uh, bar for a cocktail and uh, I was by myself and I pull my, I pull my, my room keys out. I've got three of them. I've got three of them in my hand. I do. I do not know. I do not know what hotel we're staying at. I'm looking at the room keys and there's no number on it. I can't even tell what the hotel is. I just have different room keys. I don't know where I am. And I have to try and figure out 
who to call, <laughs> what my room, like I get to the hotel. I'm like, back. yeah, no, I, no, there's no, there's, I, I don't oh. think I had a cell phone at a time and I'm trying to figure out like I am in deep shit because yeah. I don't know what city I'm in. I don't know what my hotel is. I don't know what room I'm in. Yeah. Honest mistake, man. Honest mistake. Yeah. Everybody yeah. makes it right. <laughs> one of the one of the most veteran moves i was ever taught was before you go out for a night when you're playing in the league you have to write like take on one of those little pieces of paper fold it put the key in it and write your room number in the hotel normally the hotel's on the piece of the pad of paper and just write yeah. your room number on it because you're always changing hotels and changing rooms on a regular basis the best yeah. thing that they did i don't know what if it was back in your day but when i played was they would give you like a pamphlet with the key in it, yeah, I would yeah. always make sure that I'd have that little foldable pamphlet with my key in it. Because like you said, hotel and room number on it. Everything right there. Carl, Legend. everything was right here in this episode. Can't thank you enough, man. I see the Bills helmet back there. New stadium coming, apparently. Ah, finally, man. Exciting times. I, too bad they can't build it in time for next season. But do Wow. That. They're building something if you watch the offseason, which I know you did because you're a huge Bills fan. But... I don't know if you like Von Miller, baby, Von Miller. If you told me that they were going to get Von Miller and I'm, I don't even follow the team nearly as closely as you do. I would have said no chance, no chance, no chance. Great stuff today, bud. Always a pleasure catching up. Thanks, Carlos. Thanks, Carlos. That's a wrap on another episode of after the whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter after the whistle and at Craig Reve 52 at the instigator 76. And you can find us as you already know on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube and anywhere else where you can get your podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.